cloudy. And it was fitting that it remained cloudy because Good Friday is a time that we reflect on the death of Christ. And we spend time as the people of God remembering that Christ came and He suffered and He died. And we read the scriptures together. And we took time to think about that narrative where the greatest person who ever lived experienced the worst injustice ever experienced in the world. And He died in our place. And we had a beautiful time. But we know as Christians... That the story doesn't stop there at the death of Jesus. Praise God it doesn't stop at the death of Jesus. I grew up in Catholic church where I remember seeing on the crucifixion, Jesus hanging there. And you know what? There's good news, saints. Jesus isn't still hanging on that cross. Looking sad. And suffering. He was buried. Okay? He was buried and put in the tomb. And he was there for three days. And the burial of Jesus confirms that he actually died. He actually died. It wasn't a hallucination that the disciples saw when they saw the resurrected Christ. It wasn't some scheme where they, they moved the body and, and it was a different tomb. He was really dead. And he was really buried. And then he was resurrected from the dead on the third day. And that changes everything for those of us who believe Him. You see, December 12th, 1998, I came into a, a real, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Before that, I knew about God. I knew that Jesus died for my sins. Because that's what I was taught growing up. And I remember seeing the, the crucifixion there in the church. Hanging on the wall. Alright, so I knew that he died for my sins. And I would say my prayers and do my thing. And, 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 and have my rituals. But I didn't have my relationship. A personal, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Which Jesus said in John 17, 3. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God. And Jesus Christ whom you sent. And so because I just had religion and didn't have that saving relationship with Christ. I got involved in drugs. I got involved in a lot of bad things, stealing, immorality, disrespecting my parents, started carrying guns, and my life was a wreck. I had no hope. I had no vision for my life. I had no genuine relationship with God. My brother died when I was 13 years old. He got hit by a car and died by two guys racing down the, the street. My mom got involved in drugs, and then when I was 15 years old, my father died in a house fire. And so I lived this, as, as a teenager, this very painful, dark, broken life with not much, not hope, no hope, no purpose, no vision, until Christ shone through with the light of the gospel. I had people that were praying for me, an uncle who was praying for me and putting me on prayer list, and, 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 and I, we, my mom went to jail, and, and, and we ended up going to this church, and we heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only that he died for our sins, and he was buried, but he's resurrected from the dead. And we experienced the resurrection power of the gospel to change a life, to change our lives, my mother and I, in 1998. And I want to begin 
the service here today just talking about briefly why I believe in the resurrection. Because I have experienced the power of the gospel personally. I've experienced, I have believed the testimony of scripture that is true. The, the, the testimony of the apostles, the very eyewitnesses who were present and saw the resurrected Christ from the dead and their lives were changed. And throughout history, those who have believed, the, those who've seen Jesus, the 500 plus eyewitnesses after he was resurrected from the dead, their lives were changed. And those who believed the testimonies of those who saw Jesus. Resurrected from the dead, their lives are changed. And you know, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity within our hearts, within the heart of humanity. God's made us in His image, and He's wired us to live forever. And so there's something inside of us that tells us there must be more to life than just this. And the Bible confirms that sense within us. It tells us there is more to life than just this world. The scripture tells us that there is a hereafter, that there is a resurrection of the dead. And if that were not true, Christians would be the most pitiful people on the face of the earth. It's what Paul says. Because Christianity hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Being raised from the dead. This is the good news, Paul said. First, I, I, I delivered to you first of, of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is why I believe in the resurrection. Because the Scriptures testify that Christ is risen and I have accepted that testimony. Amen. And so I want to ask you just like Jesus asked Martha in John chapter 11 when he said, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he lives." He said, "Do you believe this? Church, do you believe this? Do you believe in the resurrection?" Of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. 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 So today I'd like to talk about why the resurrection matters. Most people know the story. Most people in America know the story of Jesus' death. His burial and have, have heard about the resurrection that we celebrate during this Easter time. This is, by the way, the, the most highly attended uh, uh, church is most highly attended this time of year. You got your your Christers, your Christmas and Easter folks who show up because they're, they're two very important, most important events that have happened in history. The Son of God took on flesh and he became man and dwelt among us at Christmas time. Okay, the birth of Christ. And then at Easter, we, we remember and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. The Son of Man, the Son of God, suffered and died and was resurrected from the dead. And so this is a big celebration for us. That's why I'm wearing this jacket here today. I usually don't wear a jacket. Because Christ is risen. This is special time. This is why we got these Easter lilies up here. And, you know, there's, there's some little things that we're doing 
a little different because this is a special day for us as Christians. Because since, since Christ has re- resurrected from the dead, Christians have gathered together on Sunday to celebrate Jesus and worship Jesus. The first, the apostles, when they saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, in Matthew 28, they worshipped Him. And that is the appropriate response to seeing the resurrected Christ. That's the appropriate response to believing in the resurrected Christ. Praise and worship to God. And so why does the resurrection matter? I don't want us just to merely know what happened in the story. I do want us to become familiar with it. But I want us to know the meaning of it. I want us to know why it matters and let that translate into our thinking, our speaking, our living, and everything that we do. Because Christianity hinges on this. And so we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. And we're going to read the words from the Apostle Peter, who was one of the twelve apostles, one of the twelve who walked with Jesus, who one of the, the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus before he was crucified and saw him after he was crucified. Jesus walked the earth about 40 days before he ascended into heaven after he resurrected from the dead. And he taught his disciples about the kingdom of God. He appeared to his disciples. He had breakfast with his disciples before he ascended back to the Father. And Peter was one of those that got to see this and experience this. And so, let us read 1 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the result and praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And so here's our big idea this morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical event. It's a historical event that brings us God's salvation, power, victory, and hope in this life and beyond. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical event. Okay? That brings us God's salvation, power, and victory, and hope in this life and in beyond. 
and beyond. And so the first thing I want to highlight is that, that Peter is praising God for what God has done in showing us mercy through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and causing us to be born again. He praises God. He blesses God the Father for this work of salvation. St. Augustine said that to praise you is the desire of man, a little piece of your creation. You stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. It's fitting for us today to praise God with all of our hearts, to give Him praise and thanks because of what He's done and bringing us rescue. Because we couldn't save ourselves. Salvation is not something that we earn. It's not something that we can achieve by working hard, by doing good, by studying enough, by by being disciplined enough. Salvation is a free gift. And the Bible puts the emphasis on God's mercy and on God's grace by which we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. It's according to His mercy. We don't get what we deserve. That's hell. That's death. The wages of sin is death. Do we have any sinners here today? All right. Thank you for raising your hand. For acknowledging. Because Jesus came to save sinners. And if you can acknowledge that, that you're in need of a Savior. You're in need of His mercy. You're in need of His Grace, you, you are positioning yourself to receive that from Him. I'm a sinner, and I need mercy, and I need grace. But if you're still trying to work your way up to heaven, it's like trusting in a parachute that has been packed by the devil and then jumping out of an airplane to skydive. It's not going to work for you. You need Jesus to be your Savior. And it's through His mercy and through His grace. And so let us praise Him for showing us mercy and causing us to be born again. The resurrection of Christ has provided for us a new birth. A new birth. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Who's caused us to be born again? The Lord. Through his resurrection. Again, he born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Father has brought us into his family. This is his doing. Salvation is his doing. It's his free gift that we receive through faith. And now we who are born again are brought into the family of God. This is a miraculous work that God does in somebody's heart and somebody's life when they're born again. Okay? I started off sharing my own testimony when I got born again December 12, 1998. And I put my faith consciously in Jesus. God bless you, son. Put my faith consciously in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I realized I was headed for jail and hell by the way that I was living. And I put my hands up and surrender, and repentance, and faith to God, and I cried like a baby because I had so much pain in my heart. 
And tears were just streaming down my eyes. And then I remember God turning the tears from tears of pain to tears of joy. Because I was experiencing the joy of God's salvation that day. And God changed my heart. No man could have brought that change in my life. You can lock a person up for years. You can give them the the best laws and the best teaching and the best environment, but you can't change a man's or a woman's heart. It's a miraculous work that God brings about in the lives of His people. And so God changed my heart that day. And I went from being a liar to a preacher of truth. From being a thief to a giver. To being someone who's sexually immoral to somebody who's walking in purity and holiness. From somebody who didn't have hope to someone who's full of hope and purpose. And this is God's doing, not mine. I didn't pull myself up by my bootstraps. Make myself better. Christianity isn't about self-improvement. It's about becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. Being a Christian is being a child of God through the mercy of God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The mercy of God is the basis. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the means through which we are saved and brought into God's family. And now we have a new outlook. We have a new perspective on life. We have a new way of living. I I remember when I first realized as a kid that I needed... I needed corrective lenses. I needed contacts or glasses. I was missing the ball on the, on the baseball field. And I realized, oh man, I need some glasses. Maybe I'll be better if I get some. And, and I could see, it was like kind of like um, going from black and white screens to 4K, right? Or what's, what's the latest? What is it? HD, HD, or whatever, I don't know, 4K, 4K. alright, so going from black and white, y'all remember the old black and white screens, and the fuzzy screens, the big boxes that we used to, and, and now we got these beautiful big screens where we can see clear, right, being born again is like having a new set of lenses and life, and being able to see, Jesus said, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God Unless you're born again. And this frustrates the religious people who are trying to work their way to heaven because they can't make that happen to themselves. It's a work of grace. God does it. It's supernatural. It's a change of heart, a change of life that He brings through the resurrection of the dead. We can't raise ourselves from the dead. We can't make ourselves alive. How many of y'all will take credit for your own birth? And give no credit to your mom and dad. Or ultimately God. It's foolishness. It's Life is a gift and this new life is a gift. And I love springtime because I'm reminded every year. Every year when I see the flowers. I see the trees and the, and the plants budding. And, the, and the, the green grass coming forth. I'm reminded of new life. Every year we have this reminder. God gives life to creation and he's made us new creations and he's given us life new life we have a new way of living this is all god's work the new birth is also accompanied by a living hope 
According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know how anybody lives through the darkness and the difficulties of this life without the hope that Jesus Christ gives. Because life is just hard. You live a little bit and you realize life is hard. There are disappointments. There are pains. There are curveballs that life throws you that you experience. There's death in the family. There's cancer. There's loss of job. There's a global pandemic. And a number of other hard things that come to our lives in this experience here. And for the Christian, we face what we face in this life, the hardships of this life, with a hope. You see, Peter was writing to a church that needed to be reminded of the hope that they had. He was writing to a church that was being heavily persecuted in the first century under the emperor Nero. And they were going through a very difficult time. And Peter reminded them of what God has done already. He's brought the Christians into the family of God. And he has given them presently a hope that is alive and living. And when you have a living hope inside of you, it helps you not to give up. And biblical hope is, is different than, than what many think hope is. When, when, when we use the word hope, when we, we ask if something's going to happen and or somebody asks, is this going to happen? And you and someone responds, I hope so. Okay? Maybe, maybe not. Right? Biblical hope is more of a certainty that this is going to happen. It's not a I hope so. Like in, in a maybe, maybe not. Like it's, it's an eager expectation. This is going to happen. And through, through being born again, we have this hope that's alive within us. Wayne Grudem says this about this living hope. It is living by so describing it, Peter indicates that it grows and increases in strength year by year. If such a growing hope is the expected result of being born again, then perhaps the degree to which believers have an intense, confident expectation of the life to come is one useful measure of progress towards spiritual maturity. It is not surprising that such hope is particularly evident in, the, in many older Christians as they approach death. We have a living hope. It's alive within us. And it should be growing as time goes on. We, we should be more expected of Jesus' return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We have a resurrection hope, the hope of the resurrection. Peter said this in, in 1 Peter 1.13, a little, little bit further down. He said, set your hope fully upon the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back and we see the resurrected Christ, we are going to be raised with him. And he's going to give us new bodies that will not get sick and not die. He also tells the, the Christians to, to be ready to explain what their hope is. Why? The reason why they have a hope in them. 
Make a defense. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So I'm going to ask you today. What, what's the reason you have hope inside of you? The hope, this living hope or hope in Jesus. You don't have to answer out loud, but think about that. How, if somebody were to ask you today, an unbeliever in your family, you're having dinner or lunch with an unbeliever in your family, and they ask you, why do you guys make such a big deal of Easter? What do you, what's the big deal about Easter? Why, do you, why, why are you hopeful What are you going to say? The resurrection also assures us of God's power. Of God's power to to not only save us, but God's power to keep us. Peter said in 1 Peter 1.5, he said, "Who Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, remember back in the story, this is the eye, one of the eyewitnesses who saw the resurrected Christ, Peter. Okay? And, and I love that the Gospels, um, they don't, they don't um, hide some of his bloopers that we read in the Gospels. Some of the things, the, the times where he had to put his foot in his mouth, the times where he, he said something he shouldn't have, and the times that he did say what he was supposed to say. Right? And so Peter, and, and Jesus told him, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter didn't, didn't believe Jesus in that moment. He's like, no, I'm going all the way. I'm gonna, I'll die for you. And Peter found out, his, he discovered his own weakness. He discovered that, that Jesus was right. And he learned later, he writes later on in this epistle that, that, that God is the God of all grace who strengthens us, who keeps us, who has a grip on our lives. He writes this, that, that we are kept and guarded by God's power. Because Satan asked to sift him as wheat. Satan had a plan to bring him down. But God's plan and God's grip is stronger Amen. than any power of hell. As the, the, the hymn says, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from God's hand. Amen. Till he returns. Or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. And so Peter was kept by the power of God. Though he failed, though he denied Christ and he felt terrible for it. Though he chickened out when he's asked by a servant girl, aren't you one of those disciples? And he he ferociously said, no, 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 not me, not me. And then he sees Jesus after he's resurrected from the dead. He's reading this this morning, John 21. He sees Jesus. They're fishing. Some of the disciples are doing what they did before. They're fishing. They see Jesus on the shore. And they hadn't caught anything all night. And Jesus says, hey, throw the nets over. And they did. They caught 153 fish. Okay? Now this is this is what happened when Peter early on when Peter met Jesus. They had they fished all night, they didn't catch anything, and Peter uh, Jesus says, Hey, cast your net into the deep. They cast the net into the deep, they catch this huge catch. 
And y'all remember Peter's response then in Luke chapter 5? He, he was convicted. He says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Okay, that was his response. He realized he's, he's in the presence of someone great and someone holy. Very similar to Isaiah's rep- response when he's in the holiness of God. But this time, though Peter had denied Jesus and failed significantly and was no, no, and no doubt ashamed and felt guilty and sad for what he did, grieved that he denied his Lord. This time when he sees Jesus and Jesus gives him this great catch, he, he's in the boat, he takes his clothes off and he just he books it for Jesus. He swims, he gets over there to him as soon as he could. Instead of saying, no, depart from me, he's moving towards him. Peter had experienced the grace of God. The keeping power of God. The keeping power of Christ. And Jesus feeds them breakfast. And he asks them these questions. The resurrected Christ asked Peter these questions. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter says, Lord, you know know I love you. You know all things. And so he experienced the keeping power of God in his life. And that same power works towards you and I who believe. That same power to save and to keep us. Paul prayed that the church in Ephesus would would understand and grasp this power that works towards us who believe. This is what Paul prayed for the church. He said that, that they would know that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand, at His right hand in heavenly places. The resurrection assures us of the power of God to save us and to keep us who believe. It's through faith. Amen? Amen. And lastly, the resurrection it, it helps us to joyfully endure hard times. Notice what Peter says in, in chapter uh, 1, verse 6. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious, your faith is precious. The genuineness of your faith is precious. More precious than gold that perishes. Though it's tested by the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The resurrection helps us to joyfully endure hard times. This historically has been a part of the church's witness. Why are these Christians so happy? Everything's being taken away from them. Their goods are being plundered. They're they're losing their jobs. They're losing their homes. They're losing their family members. And yet they're happy. They're rejoicing. They must know something that we don't know. They must have something that we don't have. That they can rejoice even in the most difficult times, going through the fire. 
We have a living hope. We have a resurrection hope. This life is not all there is for us. There's so much more to come. And so Christians rejoice in hardships and trials because God is working in those trials, in our hearts and in our lives. He's shaping us. He's forming us. He's molding us. And none of those trials are wasted. None of the cancer is wasted. The sickness, the hardship, the discouragement, betrayal, the grief, None of those sorrows are wasted. None of that hardship is wasted. God is using it all for our good. And it's not always going to be like this. We know, as we sang earlier, we know the end of the story. Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new. The Apostle Paul describes this resurrection hope that he had that helped him endure joyfully. Hard times. He said in 2 Corinthians 1, he said, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Anybody ever felt like you received the sentence of death? Like, this is it. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm giving up. He said, We we felt we received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such deadly peril. And He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope so that He will deliver us again. The resurrection helps us endure joyfully hard times. One of the Old Testament passages quoted that Peter quotes in the book of Acts, alluding to the resurrection, pointing us from the Old Testament to the New Testament of the resurrection of Christ, is Psalm 16. 10 and 11 says, For you will not abandon my soul to shield or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We should be the most joyful people on the the face of the planet Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only because he's been resurrected from the dead, but because we too will rise with him. Amen? Amen. In his presence is the fullness of joy. We have that now. You see, we live in what theologians call the already, not yet. See, the living hope is something that we have now. The new birth and identity in the family of God is something we have now. The joy inexpressible and full of glory is something we have now. And if it's not something we're experiencing or walking in, then we need to fight for it. Because it belongs to us. We have an inheritance. Incorruptible and undefiled. That is kept in heaven for us. No one is going to take it away from us. It's ours. And we're kept by the power of God. We're His. What is our only hope in life or death, church? That we are not our own, but belong to God. Both body, soul, spirit. We belong to Him. I remember as a new Christian, I was... 
thinking about eternity, thinking about, I was trying to go to sleep at night and I started thinking about heaven, thinking, like trying to imagine what it was like. And as I was imagining what heaven was like, I had this despairing thought. I had the thought was, what if it gets boring in heaven? Like eternity is a long time. Like, what am I going to do forever? <laughs> I mean, because I, I get bored with a lot of cool stuff. It doesn't take too long, right? And so that's what, that's what I'm thinking. I'm a teenager. I'm a new Christian. I'm thinking about, man, I don't want to be bored forever. Eternity. And as soon as I felt that fear, that spirit of fear that just gripped my heart, I got down on my knees. And I felt the presence of God fill my room in that moment. And I just got this big smile on my face and joy just began to rise up within me. And you know what I told God in that moment? I said, God, I can spend eternity in your presence. A new believer, 16, 17 years old, new believer, experienced the presence of God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has made me his own. A child of God with the living hope, not only here, but that goes beyond this life. And I have all eternity to look forward to, to being with God. You have all eternity to look forward to, to be with God. And it's not going to ever get boring. It's going to be endless joy and endless pleasures forevermore. This is your inheritance, saints. Christ died not only to forgive you of your sins, okay? And he was resurrected for our justification, not only to make us right and make us reconciled, but to bring us to him. And that's the best part. Not that we get this amazing amazing vacation or this amazing place up in heaven. That's, That's a great part. It's part of our inheritance. But we get to be with Him. He will be our God. And we shall be His people. And so we ought to have an expressible joy and full of glory. We ought to glorify God with the joy that we have. Even in the midst of sorrow, we can rejoice. Sorrow will not have the last word. Death will not have the last word. And Christ has proved it that death will not have the last word. He will wipe, He will come back and wipe every tear from our eye. And there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow. And we will be with Him. Church, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Do you love Jesus? Even though you weren't one of the first eyewitnesses to see the resurrected Christ, the 500 plus people who saw him, though you haven't seen him, you love him. Though though you do not see him now physically, you believe in him. Do you believe? Rejoice and rejoice with joy inexpressible, full and filled with glory. God is glorified when His people display His joy. Showing the world that He is enough to satisfy the human heart. Because the things of this world won't satisfy. He's enough. Verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation 
of your souls. This is our destiny, church. This is where we're headed. And so let me share a brief word to doubters. If you're here and you're doubting the resurrection, like Thomas, one of the twelve who's he missed out on church that Sunday and he didn't get to see Jesus. Or he missed out on the uh, on the, on the appearing where the other disciples did. He's like, hey, I don't believe. I'm not going to believe unless I see myself. Thomas was, he was not with them. And that, and that for whatever reason, we're, we're not told why he wasn't there. Missed church that Sunday. It's a joke. He was not with them and Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in my hands, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my fingers finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand on his side, I will never believe. And then Jesus shows up. And he came and he stood among them and he said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand uh, and, and put out your hand in, in the place of my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. We believe in the deity of Christ. We believe that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, yet have believed. That's us, church. We haven't seen him physically but we believe. Yes. And there is a greater blessing for us. Amen. For those who believe and haven't seen. And so Jesus met Thomas in his doubt. And he will meet you in your doubt and your struggle. If you're wrestling with doubt about the resurrected Christ, he can handle your doubts. You can bring those to him. Let me share a word to the discouraged. If you feel discouraged, there were some other disciples that Jesus appeared to on the road to Emmaus. And they were discouraged. They were disheartened. They looked sad. They looked like Jesus was still on the cross or still in the tomb. They looked like he was still on the cross and still in the tomb. They were thinking, man, we thought this was the Messiah. We thought he was going to change things for us. And Jesus showed up, and they didn't recognize him at first. Right? He shows up, he's walking with them, and he and, and as he's at, at one point he he reveals himself to them. And, and 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 then he's gone. And and their hearts were set ablaze. They said, Did not our hearts burn within us while he walked with us by the way? And they believed, and then they went and they proclaimed. He's risen. Christ is risen. And so are you amongst the discouraged, those who are sad, as if Jesus is still on the cross or still in the tomb? May He open your eyes like He did for the disciples in that day to see. And this is what we need. This is what we need. Is we need the power of God, the, the work of the Spirit to open up our blind eyes where we don't believe. 
D.L. Moody said this. He said that someday you will read in the papers that Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am today. D.L. Moody was an evangelist with a hope in this life and beyond. Amen? Amen. And so let me, let me read something here to you. In conclusion, I hope that you're convinced that the resurrection of Jesus Christ does matter. It matters because your eternal salvation hinges on it. Your hope hinges on it. Your eternal joy hinges on it. Your victory in life hinges on it. Your meaningful work and purpose in this life all hinge on it. There's a story about a a missionary named Dr. John McKay in his famous book entitled uh, The Other Spanish Christ. McKay spent 20 years as a missionary in Peru and later became a distinguished president of Princeton Theological Seminary. In his book, he retold the terrible story of the Spanish conquistadors who vanquished and colonized Latin America's native people by brute force at the beginning of the 16th century. The picture of Jesus that the Spanish Catholicism introduced into the continent was a figure of tragedy. And of one particular picture, McKay wrote, quote, He is dead forever, this Christ, and he does not rise again. And about 50 years after John McKay in Peru, there was the late Henry Nouwen, who visited both both men, the Presbyterian missionary and the Roman Catholic priest, came to the same conclusion. Nowen wrote in his 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 diary about the Peruvian Catholicism. He says, "Nowhere did I see a sign of the resurrection. Nowhere was I reminded of the truth that Christ has overcome sin and death and rose victorious from the grave. All was Good Friday." Easter was absent. The nearly exclusive emphasis on the tortured body of Christ strikes me as a perversion of the good news in a morbid story that intimidates people but does not liberate them. Christ did die and we preach it. The crucifixion, the crucified Christ. But we don't leave out the resurrection. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. He is alive. Amen? Amen? He's not hanging on the cross any longer. He's not in the tomb any longer. And so here are two points of application. Praise God for gloriously raising Christ from the dead and for the promise of your resurrection. Praise Him. Praise Him. Even if you don't feel like praising Him. He is worthy to be praised. And live like you have a hope beyond this life by being a bold witness for Christ and rejoice in the face of hardship. What would, what would be different about your life and my life if we lived like Jesus really is risen and we will, and we will rise with, the, with Him? What would be different? What would be different in the things that we say? 
The way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our money, the way that we relate to one another in our relationships. The way that we think. What would be different in our emotional life if we really lived like and believed like Jesus is risen from the dead? We would have joy, inexpressible and full of glory. We would have hope. And a resolve not to give up, even in the hardest, most difficult times of life. Amen. If you would bow with me in prayer. Father, thank you for sending your son. You so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, have everlasting life. Lord, you have given us everlasting life. You have given us new birth. You have given us a new uh, living hope, an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, imperishable. And you've given us victory through the cross, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, work through our weaknesses, our human frailty. Break through the clouds of dark and despair. And let the light of the glorious gospel shine bright in our lives and fill us with joy and hope. And lead us into righteousness and peace and joy in your Holy Spirit. As Kevin and the team come up and lead us in a song. I want to encourage us